Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Events for Breakfast. Now we are on episode one of season two, which is super exciting. And if you missed the trailer for season two, then please do go back and have a listen because it explains what we're going to be covering during this season. Now in today's episode, we are going to be covering the wonderful world of festivals, live music festivals, cultural festivals, and everything in between. And before I introduce you to this week's guest, I wanted to just focus on my watch out for the week. So our watch outs are brand new and it's something that has inspired me that I've heard about in the last week or so or this month. And this week I'm going to talk all about Co-op Live. Now Co-op Live is going to be a state of the art arena which is going to be located in Manchester and it is all about live music. Do we remember what that is? So it's going to be hosting international music events, sports, charity and business events, as well as creating 4,000 new jobs in Manchester, which is absolutely fantastic. And as it says in the name, Co-op are obviously going to be the ones that are going to be running this in partnership with a couple of other organisations. And it's going to embody their values, supporting local communities and offering exclusives to their members and of course colleagues. What a fantastic initiative, hey? And the one and only Harry Styles himself is going to be investing in this venue, which is due to open in 2023. So good luck to everybody involved. Now, let's get on with the show, hey? So today we have Claire Goodchild joining us. And Claire is a director of Organised Chaos Limited, who actually is involved in the festival scene. So she is in event management and operation management for festivals such as Glastonbury, Dimensions Festival, We're Out Here Festival, the British Summertime, all sorts of different festivals. And I can't, I could go on, but I won't go on naming them all. She is an absolute expert at what she does. And we're going to be talking all around festivals, the future of them, how you can get involved in them and build a career as well. So without further ado, let's go and meet Claire right now. Claire, it's so nice to actually um, virtually meet you and have you on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you. It's brilliant to be here. I'm very excited. Oh, and I can't wait to talk festivals. Festivals is one of those things that I, I, I know lots of people want to get involved in and um, it sounds so glamorous, doesn't it? But then you, when you think about the muddy, the muddy fields and the wellies and everything else, which I'm sure you'll talk about, um, you, you know, when you see those pictures, it sort of puts you off a little bit. But I am intrigued by festivals. So first of all, let's just let's just find out more about you. And if you want to tell the listeners a bit about yourself and how you got involved in the events industry. Yeah, of course. Um, So I've been in the industry for about 15 years now. um, And I am one of those people who accidentally found my way into the industry. So um, it's not something that I uh, did when I was at university or decided that I was going to make a beeline for. Um, I was basically just working in record shops part time when I was studying. 
and um, I love being around live music and I started to promote a few gigs I mean they were tiny and mostly unsuccessful Um, but I kind of got into that scene and then um, when I left university I started promoting at a local nightclub um, and eventually that led on to um, doing a bit of touring work so I started working with a DJ called Mr Scruff um, and I went on tour with him and sold his merch and then I became his tour manager um, and then his manager actually um, also did events on the side yeah. and um, and a couple of times he asked me oh can you can you just do this for this show or can you just do that and I started to think actually I kind of like this better yeah. <laughs> I prefer this to to you know being stuck on a tour bus for days on end and um so I um I started doing more of the event stuff and then I eventually went freelance about uh I think maybe about 12 years ago and um just did events full-time um started my own company in um about 2014 um with a friend of mine who became pregnant about six months later and then left (laughs) so so it wasn't a great start to the company um but then after a couple of years um I've got another director in now um and we both work together um and we have a company called We Organise Chaos amazing fab and we'll talk more about that in a moment but um before we get into what like your your business a little bit more um talk to me about the best festival that you've ever worked on because like I say everyone's always intrigued about festivals so tell me tell me all the juicy details I I think that this is a bit like me asking you your favorite client I don't think you'd be able to say it on on a podcast very very good (laughs) so all my clients and all my festivals are equally as lovely, oh. Kelly. What can yeah. I? <laughs> um, you but love them all like babies. Hey? I do. That's it. They're all equally <laughs> as important. Um, but <laughs> I have worked on some really, really amazing shows. Um, I have done shows in Iceland, um, in Austria. I worked on a show in Croatia for six years, oh, um, which was a wonderful month in the sun. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I don't think I could pick. Um, a favorite festival but I think my favorite show is always made by the team that I'm working with I think when you're working on a show everybody thinks that you are going to spend all your time watching the show and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to be able to absorb it and unfortunately you're not yeah. um and so it's the it's the team around you that really really make it so it's the team that I work with and the client that I work with and and the kind of wishes and desires of that client as well so are they really striving to make something amazing and can we work together and is their show going to make an impact and is it inspiring and those kind of things are what make my favorite festival I think it, and it's the same for all events isn't it you know it's having the, you know the passion for it and the like you say the right client the right people around you the right idea the right creativity and that's what all all together just makes it all work isn't it so Definitely. yeah that's that was a good answer well, well got out of <laughs> <laughs> and I like the fact that you're also involved in festivals that are not always in the rain in the UK not that always always raining in the UK but Croatia in the sun sounds amazing yeah when I did when I did the Iceland one for a few years that was in um uh, during the solstice so it was 24 hour sunshine so the, oh. the sun never went down so that was kind of weird wow that's a yeah. <laughs> never-ending festival okay so you just also you mentioned your business there we organize chaos which sounds 
fun sounds <laughs> lots of fun so is that so what exactly do you do do you completely get you know do you take a whole festival on festival on and organize it all from end to end is that what happens so what normally happens is um we um we work with the clients who deliver what they want so yeah. the promoter or the festival director um will come up with a concept that they want delivered so it might be i want a twenty thousand cap family show uh it needs to have this kind of creative edge to it etc um and then we're involved in the actual um boots on the ground kind of delivery of that Brilliant. so there's me and my fellow director and we both specialize in different areas and we kind of complement each other yeah um, so he will do uh, most of the site stuff. So he builds the site, uh, puts all the infrastructure in, anything that you can touch and yeah. anything that's built, he will do that bit. Yeah. And then I tend to do the more operations and event management stuff. So yeah. I will do things that um, will be for the running of the festival. So stuff like security, stewarding, uh, your license, your health and safety, yes. um, all those nuts and bolts kind of things that mean that the festival can happen. Um, and then we work alongside the promoter and the promoter will normally be the person who will book all the acts, will say what they want the show to look like, will give you the money and, yeah. you know, <laughs> those kind of things. So that's how we normally work with our clients. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and what a great partnership. You always find that, don't you, that, you know, you'll always find a partner that's got different skills to you and that complements you. And that's how it works really well, isn't it? That you've got those two sides can just pick up different bits yeah yeah it's really good he's he also happens to be my um, boyfriend as well oh, perfect <laughs> sometimes it's not that great you know but <laughs> yeah. working with your other half I don't think I could do that actually yeah. Yeah. it can be a struggle oh dear um so the, fe the festival industry like I talked about earlier it's quite intriguing isn't it and I know that a lot of events professionals out there get really excited about festivals and because they, they are such a great product to work on um and I know lots of our listeners today will probably be thinking well what are the kind of skills that I need to be able to work within festivals specifically in festivals so can you share your thoughts on that what, what skills should they be thinking about so I think that getting into festivals you I mean I don't think it's that much different from the rest of the event sector you're gonna have to work hard yes hard you're going to yeah. work long and you're going to work hard and you're going to start your way from the bottom and you're going to have to work your way up yes. um, and I think that happens in all event sectors um I think that people need to be realistic like you said when we started it isn't glamour and you're not in most roles anyway going to be hanging out with the artists and seeing what's happening on the stage you're going to be in mud chasing toilet contractors <laughs> you're going to be outside for 15 hours of the day um you'll be on a festival site for three to four weeks because that's how long we stay there for yeah, yeah. um so it's tough and I think you've got to you've got to have that kind of tough personality but then I think that carries across and people in all events sectors seem to be that resilient and that tough so um I think what I thing makes a difference with the staff that I employ or like to employ is is softer skills yes so I don't tend to look for people who are 
you know, oh, I'm, I'm amazing at Excel. I'm super organized, you know, okay. All right. That's, that's great. That's really good. But I think what really sets people apart is like, how good are you at communicating? How good are you working at a team? How, how proactive are you? How good are you at problem solving? And those kind of softer skills that you can't, um, you can't uh, write down, you can't, you know, you can't measure rather. Um, And there, I think the, the important skills that really set people apart when they're coming into this industry. Yeah. Um, Agree, and you're right, and that goes across the whole board, doesn't it? You know that you know the negotiation skills, the, the influential skills, the relationship building skills, all of those things that you, it's difficult to teach someone those, isn't it? It's, it's it comes with experience, and yeah, you, people can be guided in that way. But you're right, and that goes right across the board, definitely. But yeah. it's good. To, it, actually, it's good to know that from someone that comes very corporate side that actually. I've probably got quite a lot of transferable skills and people in the corporate world have probably got some transferable skills that could move over into the festival side. So it's good to know that, you know, you don't have to be pigeonholed in certain areas and that there are lots of transferable skills there. I think, I think there's loads of transferable skills actually. And um, what I tend to do in the winter is work on more corporate stuff because festivals aren't running. Yeah. And actually I think they complement each other really well because the the attention to detail um, that I have in my corporate world I take through into my festival world which makes the delivery of my work better and then the kind of firefighting ultimate think on your feet problem solving moments that you have at a festival when you might have 30,000 people at the front of a stage and you are looking after their health and their safety and you need to make an on-the-spot decision that kind of firefighting I can take into my corporate stuff and I'm pretty unfazed when a client is panicking and needs something because I'm used to dealing with crazy stuff all the time anyway and I think that like you know those think if you want to move across industries I think you can really easily and, and you can complement and take stuff that works really well for both sectors so to know actually from someone on the festival side definitely um and you're making it work in both ways so that, that's really great to see Hope so. yeah um so we're going to come on to covid and the whole pandemic very shortly but before we do um just focusing on how people how events professionals can get into the into the festival sort of arena um how do people look for openings you know in a normal world forget the pandemic right now but how do people if, if an events professional is looking in for openings to get into the festival world and get some experience what are the best ways to do that so I think a lot of roles in the festival world you won't see advertised yeah. um and I'm not sure how that compares to your sector but we we don't tend to um do that a lot of our recruitment is built on networks yes yeah and so if if there was somebody trying to get into the industry the first thing I would say to them and, and maybe you would say the same as well would be to just get yourself some experience and get your name out there yeah um I know a lot of people in the festival industry will um will think it's great if you've got an event management degree but they would never see it as essential yes what they would see that would be more beneficial would be somebody who is proactive and somebody who is um, who has experience and has put themselves out there and has um, and has tried to learn as much as they can Um, and so I think trying to do that and I know that breaking down those initial doors can be quite hard yeah um, 
but there's ways that you can do it. I mean, I had somebody on LinkedIn just last week who messaged me and said, I really want to get into the industry. Would you mind asking some answering some questions for me and she sent me a list of questions that were basically can you tell me how the festival industry works can you tell me um what this role means if I wanted to do this how would I get into it and it was really uh, it was fine it took me five minutes to answer the questions but it was a really proactive way for her to put herself in front of me and for me to think, oh, you're, you're quite smart. You're quite switched on. You're quite, um, you're quite um, enthusiastic and you yeah. want to get into the industry. And so something like that can work really well. Um, I, th- I think you're right. And, that, and that's it, isn't it, right now? Because, you know, go, there's so many people trying to find different opportunities and things and being quite proactive like that and coming to you, who she doesn't know, but coming to you and coming out to you and saying, you know, please help just answer a few of these questions and give me a bit of insight, you know, that... And I think lots of events people at the moment are quite willing to help people and do that, aren't they? You know, we're all in it together. Even more. Yeah. Like you say, even more now, people are really willing to give their time. And so I would just do things like that. And I would use LinkedIn as a tool and I would build a network and I would I would not just not just add people to your LinkedIn and think that's the work done, but talk to them and see what they're doing and read what they post and engage with it because then you're going to make those contacts and um, your name will be fresh in people's minds. And that's half the battle. Your name needs to be fresh in people's minds because when they're making their staff list, um, you know, you need to be at the top of it, basically. So that's it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So um, let's come on to COVID. Let's come on to the pandemic. And um, yeah, let's think about what's what's happened. And we were before we press record. Um, we were just discussing this summer, really, and what it might look like. And, you know, we're in January right now. And I, I suppose if we look back in sort of September, October time last year, we were probably thinking, okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through the, the winter and then suddenly all of our festivals are going to come back and we're all going to be at those live music gigs and out in, that, in the field in our wellies again, as we absolutely want to. Um, how, what, what does the landscape look like for festivals this year at the moment? What's the sentiment and, and you know, what's the feeling out there at the moment? Um, I think everybody is in a bit of an up and down kind of state of mind where people are positive one day and then maybe not so much the next and I think that's industry-wide um I, I think that um it's had a massive impact obviously on the outdoor industry and on the festival industry um and I think that a lot of people are going to be struggling if they either can't get some cultural recovery fund in the second round or if they aren't allowed to do their show this year and especially the smaller independent shows which is the people that we tend to work with in our company Um, and they're also unfortunately the ones that tend to bring the staff through and bring the artists through and bring the culture through to the bigger shows you know so we really don't want to lose those it's the um, grassroots festivals isn't it's it it's the grassroots yeah festivals. that's it definitely and can you are people thinking like right now are, are the festival um companies thinking about how they can adapt and find models that might work with social distancing and covid um safe sort of procedures around it or is everyone just thinking let's just move it to say september october 2021 when hopefully things might see be back to a little bit more of a normal state 
I think there's a bit of both. So there has been some movement of bigger shows. Yeah. Um, Part Life Festival, for example, in Manchester normally takes place in June. That's now in September. Yeah. There's a few others that have followed suit. Um, and that will cause issues in terms of bottleneck for the supply chain at the end of the year. Yes. <laughs> That's its own problem. Yeah. Um, but then there are other ones um, that are looking at socially distanced models. It's very difficult for a festival to do a socially distanced model. Absolutely. It goes against every, you know, we are about getting in that mosh pit. We're about wandering about, we're about meeting and hugging all those new people that you meet and, uh, you know, about the escapism, not about having to constantly think about social distancing and wearing a mask and, and not going, you know, washing your hands and et cetera, you know. Yes. So I think it kind of goes against the very heart of our industry. Um, but still, we would rather deliver a socially distanced show than a no show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you know, my next question was all around sort of success stories um, that how festivals are finding new and innovative ways to work. And it wasn't a festival, but it was a concert, which I, I'm sure everyone knows about because um, it was so highly rated. The Sam Fender gig, which was back last year at some point where, you know, everyone had their sort of socially distanced platforms where you sort mm -hmm. of sat down. It's nowhere near a festival. It was an outdoor music event, of course. Um, but you, you had your sort of socially distanced sort of area and any drinks and things were brought to you and things now obviously when we think about a festival no festival in this world is going to be able to do, to be commercially viable to to do that really are they because it's going to be so much more expensive is that a model festivals are looking at or is it just absolutely can't be done because it is just too too, too expensive to do it that way um some shows are looking at it and it's dependent on on the size of the show and yeah. to be honest on their budget probably as well yeah. um but you're right, that's not feasible for all shows. It's not, you couldn't take your, your downloads and your Glastonbury's and your Reading and Leeds and, and model them out into that because, I mean, I can't even imagine how much space you would need to be able to make that work. Yeah. Um, so it could be more feasible for your smaller shows, but then on the flip side, your smaller shows are the ones that need more people because they have smaller budgets. Absolutely. So it's a difficult one to, to balance, really. It's about getting the capacity to be able to meet your budgets, which in festival industry world are always really tight. Yeah. Um, and then to be able to deliver a show because that's what everybody wants to do. So Yeah, I suppose the benefit for, for the, the festivals um, and it is a benefit is that it is outdoors in most cases isn't it you know and we know that outdoors that we are we are safer to be closer not right now in any shape or form you know we need to stay as far apart away from each other as possible by all accounts indoors and outdoors um, do you guys have a as a festival sort of body is there a festival body that are lobbying the government and things right now to talk about you know what the summer looks like and, and what can and can't be done yeah, there's actually quite um, there's quite a few people who are working. So I'm part of a group that's um, uh, been put together by the Association of Independent Festivals. Yeah. Um, and we are working with um, the DCMS, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport, um, to come up with some uh, reopening guidance for the industry. Yeah. 
Um, so there's a small, there's a group of about 30 of us um, and we're all working together to, um, and we have been, well, that some people have been working on it longer than me, but I've been on it since October. Um, and we're working with DCMS and with Public Health England to try to get the industry back on its feet again and to b give guidance to people so that they can follow it and have a successful show. Fantastic. and that's all you can do isn't it and you know as like as i say as the summer comes round, um we want to hope that we are able to go out outdoors and meet in some socially distant sort of way and, and make festivals work however i'm just wondering um you know in the event in my side of the events world we've seen online events really evolve um you know really well and successfully over the sort of last eight months and it, it's just got me thinking you know I, I've seen a few online gigs and I've seen a few online shows and things but I've not I don't think uh, in the last sort of eight months I've seen a big online festival I'm going to take that back Tomorrowland was one wasn't it <laughs> I'm just come to one come, just come to mind but do you think you know if this pandemic continues do you think an online festival could work for people and could businesses make that work as a as a cost model too? Um, I mean, there was a really interesting one, actually, in December, which was um, Robin Collins, who um, works on Glastonbury and Boomtown. Um, he does like the Shangri-La area at Glastonbury. Yeah. And he did a show um, called Lost Horizons Festival, right. which was a virtual reality festival. Yeah. And you um, bought your ticket and you created your own avatar and then you walked around um an actual festival and I mean it was brilliant it was you know graphically it was beautiful it looked like a show yeah and yeah it, it worked really well I don't know how many people um he managed to sell tickets to but yeah. in terms of the creativity and the 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 pivoting that he that he undertook I think it was really really successful and also as well actually it had this thing where if you um you could go with your friends and then if you lost your friends you could just meet them back in this meeting room so it's not like at a festival where you like oh. looking for three hours for your yes. mates by the bar or whatever <laughs> it was just like I was like actually I wish we could transfer that into real life that would be great <laughs> and, and that's amazing isn't it and it's good to know that there is people out there thinking innovatively around you know what happens if we have to continue online for another year yeah. heaven forbid um you know we all want that music and, and that, that live music in our lives and it has to be virtual then hopefully there'll be festivals out there that do adopt that sort of mentality let's take it online because it is it's definitely something we are missing I think as a person I am missing that cultural live music moment in in my life I, and theatres I miss theatres without a doubt um it's just two things that I absolutely desperately want back yeah I'm the same and I think so many people feel the same and you know I think there really is that appetite out there for when they come back people will want to go yes. um but it's just we're just all itching and trying to get back as soon as we can but yeah. <laughs> so how have you how have yourself have you had to pivot then because obviously if half the year you're doing sort of the corporate stuff and the other half you are hopefully doing festivals how have you reshaped your sort of business to, to support yourself well, I mean, it obviously had a massive impact. So we lost all of our um, all of our work um, from March onwards. Um, and, you know, the work that will happen this year is still up in the air because nobody really knows. Yeah. Um, but we were quite lucky. We did a bit of um, film and TV stuff. Um, we uh, have been working on some COVID response projects for local authorities. So the good example of how transferable event skills are, you know, you're managing a project which, which is a festival or an event, oh, you can manage a COVID project, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and then I guess we've just kind of been working towards um, what we're going to do for 2021 with all our clients yeah. um, and trying to give back a little bit, which sounds a bit cheesy, but I think we've never really had the time um, and also probably never really considered how important it is to, to like reconnect with the industry and the people who are coming up through the industry. Yeah. So we have um, been doing things like uh, I'm doing a mentoring program. Um, I have um, started a blog that people can refer to. I've started actually using LinkedIn because like I, I was on LinkedIn, but I just never really used it. And yeah. <laughs> it's so useful. It's I've the amount of people that I've met through there and the amount of information that I've uh, I've got and the amount of relationships I've built just since March has blown my mind. And that's been the positive thing out of all of this, isn't it? The connection, the collaboration, the, the sort of openness of the events industry professionals that have just gone, you know, let's just, let's just communicate. Let's just share everything. Let's just get through it all together and work through this together. It's been amazing to be part of. Absolutely. People have been sending me like their risk assessments and stuff, and that would yeah. never happen before. People just wouldn't share that kind of information. And, and people really are now. And it's actually a big positive for the industry, I think. Yeah. And I do hope that once we get, um, I hate to use it, but get back to that normal life that this continues, because they, these micro tribes are so important, aren't they, within our you know within our sort of worlds at the moment I know from the sort of corporate side um and I mentor as well and Catherine um who was my mentor is my mentor mentee and she worked in the corporate world and sometimes you just get your your siloed and you just do your own thing and then what happened with the pandemic we sort of went okay well let's just open out a little bit and let's see what else is going on in the world same as you guys in festivals and it's like there is this wonderful community out there and I've learned so much in the last eight months for that and that's brilliant yeah I think I think it's the same also just like you know listening to your podcast for example listening to all the different people who are from different sectors from venues from travel photography tech you know like all those different people but they might not be people that you necessarily know what they do on a day-to-day -day basis or you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis and yeah just like learning loads through things like your podcast amazing so. yeah same I love a podcast not my own don't listen to my own but sound of your own voice is awful I know <laughs> So this has been just been so insightful and I know that people that listen to this podcast have been waiting for a festivals episode so it's gone down really really well and how can people find out more about you where, where can we find you on your socials your website and things like that um so we have a website which is weorganisechaos.com yeah um and some of the blog stuff that I've been writing is on there as well so and I'm trying to do it from a um from a kind of operational event management perspective so hopefully some insights that people will find quite useful Fantastic. um and then I'm always on LinkedIn these days so <laughs> it's your hangout place it's my new hangout now but aside from that um I'm really bad at socials and actually um I probably need like some kind of socials manager or marketing manager or something because we don't have any more socials than that. Um, because a lot of our work in the same way that, you know, I was talking about employing through your network, a lot of our work comes through our network. So we've yeah. never really done a lot of stuff like that. So actually you've inspired me to maybe uh, maybe up my game a little bit and get myself on the social. Yeah, absolutely. And reach out. There's so many people right now that will help you. Definitely get a bit of experience in that. Claire, this has been amazing. Absolutely been amazing. And my wish is that next year, oh, actually no, we're in 2021 now, this year that we meet somewhere in, in a muddy field with our wellers and we go, 
Thank goodness for that. We are back to live events and live music. <laughs> oh, I'll put you on the guest list, mate. Don't worry about Amazing. it. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> See you soon. Thanks. Okay, hands up. Who wants to be in a festival right now, covered in mud and enjoying all that wonderful live music? Yeah, me too. What a fantastic interview that was and a big thank you to Claire for joining us this week. If you want to find out more about festivals then please do reach out to her and I'm sure she'll be willing to answer all of your questions. And likewise if you would like to email get in touch with me then my name is Kelly Frew and you will find me on all the socials and I run my little business Storymaker Events. Again all the socials with my own website called storymakerevents.com. Hopefully you're enjoying your week and you're settling into January nicely. Don't forget, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast provider. We will be back very soon with lots more exciting guests. Take care for now. Bye.